Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Constellation can answer all of them with energy solutions that fit your needs. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com slash energy. Hello and welcome. It's your weekend uh, free Managing Madrid podcast. Um, as you know, this is your host, Gabe Lezra, and I'm joined by my man, my main man, Keon Silvani. Keon, uh, quite an eventful Real Madrid week. It's great to have you on. It's great to be chatting about this stuff because there's a lot to get to. Yeah, it's it's nice because we, you and I never really talked about Juve. Like, we, 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 you know, I mean, we also didn't. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the semifinals that much. I mean, or sorry, the the uh, the quarters, that the other stuff that went down. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was a lot that went down, and I think you know you weren't on all the pods, and then uh, you know we on Twitter we we talked a little bit, but, the, but we never actually mano a mano. We didn't we didn't yeah. get to to, to talk. So about it. so we're gonna get into that today. We're also gonna talk. We both have some mild notes on Madrid's two to one win um, in. Malaga against Malaga. Um, not a lot of takeaways from that match, in my opinion, but we will um, we will certainly talk about it. Um, and yeah, then then we're we're moving on. We'll do a little bit of a, a semifinal preview. Of course, Madrid drew Bayern, which every single person who's a Real Madrid fan knew was going to happen. I got to tell you, I was so certain <laughs> that if Madrid passed, it would be Bayern. Mm-hmm. And so it's Bayern. So Madrid has to get through Bayern if they want to get to the final. And uh I'm excited for it. Should be a good good match. Um, so I think one thing that I wanted to just make make clear at the head of the show. So uh, a number of our patrons, we love you guys. You all rule. Send us questions uh, about the Juve match after hearing our Juve pod, which is fine. That's to- or which especially with Kian. Sorry, with Kian's pod with Adam Digby, who let's be clear, one of the best shows that we've had on this uh, on this show. One of the best episodes, I think, for sure. Or, often, if you said, or often the questions come in while we're recording, so it's, right. we can't, yeah. <laughs> so if, if you're shooting us a question, uh, it's possible we've already recorded the show. If you're a guaranteed patron, that doesn't mean we didn't get to, it, it didn't get to your question. It means it didn't come in on time. It's not your fault. It's not our fault. It just didn't come in on time. We will get to it on the next show, just like we're going to do right now for the people who asked Juve questions that either came in while Kian was recording or came in uh, after Kian uh, finished recording. And then we're going to get into the Malaga stuff and answer some of your questions about that. Um, but just, yeah, just be clear. When you ask a question, we will answer it, but it does it's not always on the, the, the week of the show uh, that you want it answered on because we may have already recorded. There may be other things you know that, that prevent us from seeing it that time. But we will always get to it. That is our guarantee when you become a five dollar or more patron. Yes. Nothing to add. Let's do it. Um all right, let's jump in. So Kian, we have some questions about that Juve match. I, I think I, I I bet I know where they're going. <laughs> okay, so leftover Juve questions, there's a few. Adam Dorsey, uh, Guaranteed Patron, says, I visited the Juventus SB Nation site after the game and read through the comments. By the, way they were, by the way they were reacting, you'd think Ronaldo personally killed every one of their dogs. 
they all basically said one of two things. Either it wasn't a penalty or the penalty should not be awarded at the end of the game like this. My question is, even though it was a pretty clear penalty, do you think in big matches like this, should the referee swallow the whistle and allow the game to continue according to some vague, unwritten rule of football? Thank you and hala madir. Your right, thoughts, Adam. Mr. Lezra? Yeah, um, so here's what I'd say, Adam. Um, don't do what you did. Or if you're, if you're going to do the schadenfreude thing, go and, and lurk, but do not comment. Don't be, don't be that guy that goes to the site of the team where all, that just lost where all the fans are, are commiserating and like, ma- and like dunks on them. That guy, everyone hates that guy, including the, people, the fans of the team that are the same as that guy. Right? Everybody hates that guy. Well, so I don't, don't think Adam that did guy. that. I think he was just reading. No, no, I know. You yeah. just lurked. I, yeah. I understand. Just, um, just FYI. Don't be that guy. I know you didn't do that personally, whatever. Mm. Um, and I have some things to say about the penalty. First of all, I totally and I'm totally I totally get Juve fans and players' reactions to that penalty. I I would have the same reaction. If your team had put in this unbelievably stellar effort to come all the way back against one of the best teams, not just in the world right now, but ever arguably, and you were about to go to extra time where you had an away goal advantage, if you could just get one goal, they'd have to score two, that kind of thing. And, and you know, if, if you'd done all of that just to see, like, the referee call call a, you know, a penalty at minute 94 of a plus four minutes of stoppage time situation – you would be infuriated. And like, I get being infuriated. Uh, And I think like Adam said, this is, you know, it was a pretty clear penalty. I understand thinking if you're a Juve fan, I also understand being like, no, it wasn't a clear penalty. It totally wasn't. It's fine. That's regular. That's normal behavior. Uh, What I don't like Keon and, and uh, you know what? I'm not, I'll get into that later. But so what I would, the way I'd answer Adam's question is this. Of course you call the penalty. Always call the penalty. It's If you don't call the penalty, if you don't make that call, it's giving one team an advantage. Either way, you're changing the game by calling or not calling the penalty. There isn't some sort of neutral place that the referee in that situation can go to. Yeah. Because if there's a penalty and you don't call it, then you're favoring the team that committed the penalty offense. And if you do call it, you're favoring the team that made the penalty offense. You can't just like eat your whistle or whatever, right? In that situation, in and I got to tell you, it was one of the most blatant penalties I've ever seen. And uh, the fact that we're even having this discussion in good faith with some people is infuriating. But yeah, let's be clear. It was an incredibly clear penalty. The referee cannot, must choose to either call it or not call it. And in my view, you always make the choice to follow the rules of the game. You... To, I I expressed a lot of this on on the post game show, but I think if you if you have a call that has to be called, and it's that game altering because if uh, Benatia does not go through Lucas's back like that, and then also kicks his chest afterwards, Lucas probably scores that penalty or scores that scores that shot. And to me, like you said, you put it perfectly. That is just as game altering than than calling it. So. You have to make the right call. Minute one, minute ninety-three, World Cup final friendly. A penalty is a penalty, and and that's it. I, like you, understood completely the emotions of Juve players and fans. I also said in the post-game show, if they had just waited a few minutes to go into the locker room and look at the replay without assuming what it was or not, they would have probably calmed down. Much to my surprise. The day after, even days after, 
this is still going on. And yeah, even after we've had days of replays, days of proof, and still like this is a question mark from some people. That part I don't get. And this idea that Real Madrid rob Juventus is actually insulting and incredibly. Uh, I think Zidane actually put it like I don't know if we expected Real Madrid to even react to all those comments, but I think Zidane makes sense when he's like, "Look, they're just jealous because Real Madrid is very successful. They, everyone wants us to fail." People are also, by the way, bringing up this this uh, stupid theory that we also robbed Bayern last season and going back in time and like, "Oh, this is proof because this penalty was called." Now let's bring out all the proof. No. No one mentions all the calls that went against Real Madrid unfairly before even getting to extra time against Bayern. No one talks about Isco's offside goal, which wasn't offside. Yeah. And the clear penalty, it's silly. It's really silly. And there's a, probably a lot of salt involved and not enough clear thinking, even days after. And Yeah, as, as, as I've said, I, I have a lot of empathy right i have compassion and empathy for the juve fans who are reacting this way and i have compassion and empathy for the juve players who reacted the way they did i understand that some people don't won't agree with me but i do think that if you're a player who is just you know giving your heart for your team that it's okay to react angrily and say a bunch of crazy stuff uh, when when things don't work out, especially at the end of, of of such an emotional tie for Juve, especially if you're Gianluigi Buffon, who's played now played his last Champions League game, it's it's I totally get it. the The people I don't have empathy for or compassion for are first of all the absolute complete and utter nut jobs who are going online to send death threats to the referee's wife. Uh, you that is just a uh, incredibly pathetic and if you can think of like i can't think of things that are more pathetic in the world of sports uh than taking out your upset about your team losing by berating the wife of the referee who didn't make the wrong call right like this is that's an embarrassment and you should be embarrassed if you're doing that um and uh I also have no empathy at all for the media members, I especially Kian in the Catalan press, who oh, are engaging in it. such such bad faith with this. Where they them and they the reason that we are continuing to have this discussion is not because of you know the Italian media; it's because of the Catalan media. Because in Italy, of course, they're going to say like this is a questionable call, blah blah blah. But in in Spain, like of course it was a penalty, and in England, of course it was a penalty, and they suddenly, you know, the Catalan media is is photoshopping images of Benatia that show in the Photoshop that he's somehow not touching Lucas Vazquez, right? And it's 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 just disgusting, and it's incredibly bad faith, and all they want to do is anger people and and rile them up, and what and the 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 death threats for this referee's wife are firmly on the hands of the people that are doing stuff like that, especially like the people that like like Mundo Deportivo who fucking photoshopped it. I mean, I just th- those people should should really have a hard think about what they're doing with their careers, in my opinion, because it's it's really really. You know, a really scummy, you know, piece of shit thing to do. To be quite frank, I couldn't believe when I saw. It. At the same time, I wasn't surprised at all, it's because I just know what they've done in the past. Yeah, no, of course, but like it's like these freaking, you know, moist, you know, horny toads, these ghouls. Like they, they have, see this and they see it as a perfect opportunity to uh, discredit. 
Real Madrid. And that is all they see that they don't have any empathy for Juve. Uh, they don't have any empathy for Buffon. They don't have any empathy for these players. All they want is to make it seem like Real Madrid don't deserve or don't whatever, right? Don't deserve to because they were or they were robbed or they did all this other stuff. Uh, and that by doing that, by pushing this logic, they are pushing the logic that um, that harms Real Madrid and uh, by contrast makes Barcelona seem better. That's literally all they're doing. And they, they really it's really gross. We have a couple more questions about this. Um, sure. Are not directly with the penalty, but about about the game left over from, yeah, yeah, yeah. from last go, go, go. week. So, uh, Jimmy Obeid says, "This game left me speechless. I was legitimately concerned for my health throughout the whole game, but luckily our best ever player bailed us out. Anyway, what one what I wanted to say was that getting rid of Juventus now will make our Champions League that much easier." Because I believe that they are better than the teams who have qualified. Yes, even Bayern. What do you guys think about this? Interesting take. Yeah, it is. Um, well, so two I mean, of two of the teams that were top on our list, who are Barca and, and City, are gone. Yep. But Bayern I mean, it's is also at the top of the list too, though. It's a it's a knockout tournament, and that's one of the things that people. I think sometimes why it's so hard to win this year after year and what, et cetera, is that there's a lot of luck that comes into knockouts. There's also, you know, and that's one of the reasons that we should be really impressed with Zidane's skill at, at maneuvering this competition. But also generally the fact that Real Madrid have been to the semifinals for the last eight years is, is quite insane. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like on some level, when we talk in the United States, at least about knockout tournaments, one of the things, you know, that 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 is uh, the kind of common knowledge and common wisdom is deserves got nothing to do with it. And it's it that's right. There's not a, it's not about deserving to be in one place or another. It's just about being here. And now you just got to win. And did Barcelona deserve to beat and go through against Roma? If they had deserved to do it, then they would have done it. I, I mean, like, I don't know what no, you mean, yeah. like what people mean by when they say that, like Roma over two legs was better than Barcelona simply because they scored more important goals. Well, there's there's basically two separate things. One, we can say who deserved and who was the best. And it's, whether fair or not, like those are kind of two separate things. But, you know, it's, it's kind of unfair that a team that deserves to go through may not be the best because they feel like they've proven something. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. did did I mean was uh, that 16 seed that beat um, UVA this year in the March Madness was that were they the best team? No, they weren't. But did they deserve? Yeah, they did, and yeah. they played a great game. So because there's I, a lot of matchup things too, right? Because like you I, know, you and I talked about both on your Let's Fix Football podcast and the articles I wrote for 442 that that club has kind of turned into the Guardiola kryptonite, and this is why. And so there's specific match match matchups that you could say. Well, Guardiola may have gotten unlucky, but you know, also tough luck. You should have been prepared better. So, um, but man, it's cra- I've said this so many times. But when I went back and I revisited that Roma Barca game because I didn't watch it live because I was watching the other game, I couldn't believe just how one sided it was. Like it wasn't like a lucky three nothing. It was. It should have been four or five, and that's it was. Barcelona had zero answer tactically anything. Not even like Messi who can bail you out for tactical uh, just disadvantages or whatever. He was a ghost, and he didn't look good at all. Choked. He wasn't himself. Yeah, he, I, you said it, not me. But I, I, 
How do you watch that performance and not think Lionel Messi choked against Roma? All his team needed was one goal out of him, basically. No, or to he have just any wasn't good. Match. He was a ghost, and when he had the ball, he wasn't good. His body language was off. Everything was off. It, he was bad. Um, and just I don't they know if you executed a perfect game plan. They did. I don't know if you picked up on when when Adam said in the podcast that when you were watching the game against Roma. Um, against Barca, like as an Italian football fan, you just did not feel like Messi was going to hurt you. And he said, as a Juve fan, on the flip side, they were all terrified every time Ronaldo got the ball. And he said that was the difference, like between the two in Champions League knockout rounds, essentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, Ronaldo's built his entire. I mean, I think really that Zidane and he have we have this symbiosis, this this relationship where he understands that. Ronaldo needs to be at peak form right now, and the way to do that is to is to rest him, but also to have him in be full of confidence and firing in all cylinders. The only way Madrid's gonna gonna win every year like this is if that if we get that Ronaldo every you know beginning in about February uh, all the way through the uh, uh, end of April and early May. One more um, patron question that came in after the year game. There's it's from Ian Marley. Um, who there's a there's a quite a long list of points he made, but the one question he asks is um, just talking about Real just defensive issues and some of the defensive things that we've gotten away with in the past that and and also haven't gotten away with in La Liga. But one question that Ian's asking: uh, Do you think it's time that? Zidane solves the issues we have defensively. That includes adding an experienced left back more defensively solid than Marcelo, uh, an experienced center back and right back, if not working on tactical seams that help us defend and mark better. And why? Wow. So this, to me, it's not a question about replacing Marcelo, which is not even an option for me. Like you can get a defensive-minded left back as a backup. And to give you different looks and, and rest and stuff, but in a big game, there's no not a chance that Marcelo's defensive liabilities will ever outweigh what he brings to the table offensively, which is being arguably the greatest wing back in history uh, offensively. So you you just you can't. There's no trump card for what he does offensively. So then the the answer is you have to fix the defensive issues, and it's all about scheme. Like you can't. I, I really felt bad for Jesus Vallejo at moments against against Juve where he was marking like two or three players on the flank and he's like, guys, where where is everybody? Like, and then yeah. and then some people had the audacity to go and blame Vallejo for certain things. Oh. And it's like where he actually played good and he was a bit nervous, but I think overall he recovered and played really well. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I think Vallejo actually had a pretty good game. I mean, yeah. the obvious <laughs> issue, right, that we can take away from parts of this Juve match uh, is that Carvajal is just brutal and got bullied in the air by Mandzukic, who yeah. has, I think, what, six inches on him? I mean, like, it kind of makes sense. But Mandzukic just owned Carvajal in the air the entire match. And it's one of the like matchups that really Juve saw and decided this is how we're going to exploit it. We're going to put balls, crosses into the air with this guy 
uh, and have this guy run into the zone that is supposed to be covered by their slightly undersized right back who is famously not as good in the air. And without Sergio Ramos, who is so good in the air that he actually normally can cover uh, enough stuff to, uh, enough to cover up Carvajal's liabilities, uh, Real Madrid actually were really exposed, right? Because Vallejo also not great in the air. Uh, and so it was forced Carvajal to to play more of aerial defense, which he doesn't normally have to do as much of because of how good Sergio Ramos is. And that is 100% a, a, something I would circle if I were Bayern. Uh, it's exactly the kind of thing that Madrid needs to think about how to do, deal with. But it's also the kind of thing that, like, I don't know how I don't know what the answer to that question is. And it may simply be we need to make sure that other elements of our team are stronger in the air and understand where to be in those situations. Well, the fact that Ramos isn't suspended for the first against Bayern is huge for us because <clears throat> it wasn't just Juve who took advantage of us aerially. It was also last season when we had Nacho in there over instead of Varane and and Bayern punished us on set pieces as well. So having Ramos yeah. and Varane there, you know what's interesting? This kind of it might this may take us into um Bayern discussion now and I think there's a few questions about it, but one thing I'll say is that <clears throat> if you're looking at this Juve games and things that can address what you know Marcelo's liability defensively is that when Zidane made that sub to bring on Asensio for Casemiro he really solved that in a way because Casemiro for one was out of position the entire half he was giving the ball away he was not comfortable in a press and so with Asensio, you stretch the field a bit, you you have better control of the ball, you have better press resistance, but you also had Asensio who was helping cover for Marcelo quite a bit, like he would drop in deeper. Whereas like before in the first half, it was a field day um, for Juve to get in behind Marcelo and, and cross the far post where Carvajal was. So <clears throat> that that is kind of how you rectify this issue of you have to play Marcelo, so then if you know you have to play him, you have to also mask his deficiencies. And yeah. It's interesting, Gabe, because that was the first time all season that I really felt Zidane was like, maybe Casemiro's not untouchable anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I'm hopeful that now, again, when we, we discuss the Malaga match, um, we'll get into this probably a little bit more. But, you know, Casemiro has not had his best few weeks and I just I don't think there's any other way to put it um mm. he he did not do what he, what his entire purpose of being in that match against Juve uh was to prevent from what happened from happening basically and um yeah I I, I you know I'm hopeful that maybe we we start to move away or towards you know a uh understanding of tactical systems that might hide his liabilities uh, more or at least re even remove him from the lineup or, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, we can, we can, I don't know. We can kind of go in two directions here. We can go to Malaga or we can go to Bayern. How do you feel? Uh, let's do Malaga because I think people are less interested in Malaga. and want to hear Bayern stuff more. So we don't, we, we're going to, we're going to get it out of the way because there's uh, again not that much to say i think that my two big notes from this match Keon, or three big notes first of all is that uh uh maybe as we've said before um cristiano ronaldo shouldn't be the only person always taking free kicks just saying like yeah you know he he takes all the free kicks for real madrid but that he free let kick have one against you sexy it's true yeah um, although that one was I, probably a bit out of his scope because it was on the right maybe that's why 
Yeah, I mean, I would I would say that Real Madrid's free kicks should basically be a thing of who feels like they have the best angle and strike pattern. So, for example, if it's like far out in a, you know, on, on one side, maybe Bale hits it. If it's closer in, maybe Isco or, or Ronaldo and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, that was one of my notes. So beautiful goal from Isco, who did the classy thing and didn't celebrate. And um, an incredible Real Madrid goal um, for their second, which was a absolute um, yeah. work of art. Um, that was created almost entirely by Karim Benzema playing good defense, Casemiro sprinting. Um, but there was this like last second of hesitation, this quick step over from Benzema that freed Isco. I mean, it was an absolute thing of beauty. Isco knew he didn't have the angle, but saw Casemiro sprinting and squared it over and he put it away. And it was, I mean, that goal was, was a thing of like old school Real Madrid counterattack. Uh, and it was very cool to see. If um if I'm being honest, like this time of year, there's so much already decided in La Liga that I kind of mentally check out. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe this this particular aspect that Real Madrid are out of the title race might be unique to this year for this time of year. But they are, and so the top four decided. The champion is decided. We know who's going down. So the interesting part is actually uh, the the Europa League finish, which actually looks pretty cool right now. But I'm really, really team Hirona and Ibar. Yeah? Not yeah, Betis. I'm desperate for those two to go through to get Europa League spots. I, I'm i with you. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not mad either way. I kind of like all those teams, but I I have a soft spot for Betis, so I'm going for them. I would love <clears throat> to see Chelsea come to Ipurua. That'd be amazing. That'd be so fucking cool. Like, yeah. you, yeah, you have to go to this, you know, 10,000 person stadium in the Basque country. <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be, I mean, that'd be super cool. Um, uh, it's it's okay. interesting that there's so, like on the Churros Tacticas podcast, we talk often about this, and a lot of people feel that it would be bad for Abar and Girona to get into Europa League because they just don't have the squad to cope with all these competitions and then they'll suffer in the league. To me, Everyone's- that's just that's just silly. I think just like get in, like it's not a bad problem to have. Yeah. Like if worst comes to worst, put in a bunch of kids. It's just like totally it's an amazing agree. end goal. Like just it's you should. Hell get there. yeah! I mean, what is the point if you're a mid table to low end La Liga side who is generally going to be flirting with relegation? What is a reasonable goal in this league is is trying to get your team into Europe because, and if not, what the hell are you playing for every year? Is it just? to not be relegated, which that's no fun. Like that's, that's not what you want your fans to be straight, like to come to the stadium. You go, Hey, like maybe this time we're going to grab a draw against this good team. No, you want to say, Hey, like we're going to go out and we're going to try. And if we can do it, maybe we can become, I mean, Sevilla wasn't always really good, but they had a run of form that, that created this kind of powerhouse team, you know, that was based on this attacking flair uh, and they won the the Europa League a few times. And why the hell not? Why the hell? Why the hell not for uh, Ibar or Hirona or some of these small teams have that as their goal? I don't see why not. I think that's, I think it's dumb because otherwise there is literally no point other than not being relegated to be to to being uh, a mid level team. Like, yeah, no, you're 100 percent correct. If so, if we're going back to this game. Um... <clears throat> I want to add one last thing about this game. Yeah, I thought yeah. Vallejo was maybe the best player on the pitch in this game. He was incredibly good. I, I thought he essentially did nothing wrong all game. <coughs> really, really, really good. Yeah, Vallejo really was command really good. performance. I was happy about that. Like those are the things you take out because, and 
this is part of the reason why it's good that Zidane rolls with these fringe players in this game because it's easy to get complacent if you're the A squad playing a game like this. In a way to the last place team in the league. Um, you know, not much at stake. So if you roll out hungry players, it's obviously good. Vallejo being one of them. I I was a bit disappointed with Teo. I thought he was overcomplicating yeah. things a bit, dribbling into players instead of playing a simple outlet pass or... Um, his first touch has hasn't been great for yep. a, a few weeks now, but um, Vallejo stood out. I thought Kovacic and Yusko were brilliant, and I think yep. um, uh, I thought it was a good game from Benzema. Actually, people are like are so quick to attack him, but I, I actually, you know, yeah, we know we the Benz discussion is what it is. Yeah, well, I think, but the only thing I was disappointed about Gabe was that there was no reason for Casemiro or Kovacic for that rather. Uh, to play uh, the full 90 here. And yeah. Marco Sirente was just sitting on the bench and he, he should have played. And uh, Casemiro just had, uh, I mean, he had that great interception and then the finish. He also had a crazy deep giveaway, which Kaylor saved the blushes of. And, you know, he wasn't great against Juve. I, I don't know why we can't just give Marcos a, a bit of a run here. That that, that part kind of. Yeah, I mean, I have a I bit of salt about that. Can you imagine? I mean, like, if you took Casemiro out of this team and put N'Golo Kante, I don't like. It's just it's a different different animal. I but yeah, Casemiro, I thought was, I mean, maybe I'm I'm too quick to circle his flaws and, and dismiss his his victories. But man, was that 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 giveaway where Kaylor passed him the ball, and he literally just the guy took it off him. I mean. It was it was an embarrassing, embarrassingly bad play, and and you know he got saved by magic, absolute magic from Kaler. There's no way, no other way around it. That save was just <laughs> magic because you know Casemiro lost the ball at the top of the area. The guy, um, the Malaga player, had three unguarded dribbles, and Kaler was there and somehow managed to save it. It's incredible. You know, I think this whole Cas- Casemiro thing is like. You, he does a lot of good, and we know this. Like we talk, we talked about this all, all the time. But the fact that it seems like his mistakes are so detrimental. Um, you know, like how Modric does this weird thing, how he's perfect for like ninety nine point nine percent of the game, but then he has like this weird, shocking giveaway, like uncharacteristic giveaway, and you're like, whoa, okay, well, I'm glad he got that out of his system. Like, I'm sure he won't do that again. Casemiro has those. And he has them often. Like, even in this game, it wasn't just that one time. He did it twice in that first half. Like, just giveaways deep. And I think the problem is that Modric is generally so switched on in big games and provides us so much. Like, against Juve, when uh, it was hard to find vertical outlets from the back, he would drop deep. He would find things. He would he would be so direct and just get the team out of there, like, be press-resisted. Where Casemiro was the opposite, we saw Bayern punish Casemiro last season. It really clicked with me at halftime against Juve that Zidane made that sub, which I I thought was unthinkable, but he continues to surprise us with his you know just his tactical decisions. Is that there may be a scenario where we don't see Casemiro as a guaranteed starter? And uh, look, like we're talking about the dominoes of like Marcelo and. And helping him, and and or leaving him out to dry, and Casemiro having to mask Casemiro by pushing him up the field creates these dom- weird dominoes defensively, lack of coverage everywhere, and I think it's a huge liability. And 
last season, especially towards the end of last season, he actually became so good. Like he improved so much that he wasn't a liability anymore. But this season, he's kind of going back to these old habits we saw yeah. from earlier last season, which we were worried about. And and that's the stuff that worries me. He was gr- he was great in Paris, by the way. Um, he hasn't been good the last few games. May or may not mean he's going to continue that against Bayern, right. but I, it does worry me a bit. <clears throat> I agree. I, I'm worried about it. Um, and we'll just have to see how he how it evolves. Um, yeah. uh, in terms of any other, I'm trying to look back, but I, I don't have many other talking points from this match, to be quite frank. Like that, two nice goals from Madrid basically dominated the match. The B team does, you know, as such as it is, this this version of the B team does have a lot of energy, which I think you probably would expect if Madrid were to roll out there kind of onto the gala. May have been a little bit uh, suspect. I also would have probably, if it were me, I mean, it's good to see Danny Tobias get some minutes, but I would have probably started him. Yeah. I don't see why, or at least brought him on at like halftime. But um, <clears throat> regardless, like he, he played and it was good. Good to see him. Hopefully, you know, that, that is an indication that Zidane will start giving him more run and more run. And um, yeah, Casemiro is bad. There's was bad. There's no real reason for him to play ninety for sure. I, I still am, I'm totally <clears throat> lost on why Marco Llorente isn't getting more run. But mm-hmm. um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how the how the the Liga games go because I agree, Kian. Like one of the only things I look at now in La, in Liga games, right, is to see how our young kind of prospecty players are developing. And, and, you know, with Teo, um, I feel like he hasn't, he hasn't taken a step back, but I don't think he's improved as much as I would have hoped on the, some of the fronts that were um, his problem areas going into this season. Whereas, um, you know, I, I think some of the other, like Vallejo um, has, has now shown to a lot of us why he was the, the most high, like the Asensio of this last year, why he is such a highly touted player. And, um, but with Teo, I was just uh, I was hoping that he would at this point have you know worked hard enough in training and whatnot to improve his first touch substantially. But hopefully, I mean, he's still quite young. So, yeah, but that that's something to look at over the course of his next few years. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> um, so we talked about Vallejo, we talked about Teo, we talked about Kovacic and Isco. Um, I would say that. The main thing here is that a bunch of starters got rest. Modric, Ronaldo, Bale, Marcelo, Kroos. Um, Kroos. I don't know. I think that those are the main ones, right? And um, <clears throat> by the way, did you see that that Ray Hudson just hates the fact that anytime Phil brings up stats, because Phil was like, uh, <laughs> he said the last seven times that Real Madrid have played without Ronaldo or Bale. They've won all seven, <laughs> and Ray Ray just shot him down, um, just because friend he, of he the podcast. Sex. Yeah, huge friend of the podcast. We love Ray. Right, um, we love you. Come back on. A lot of this this game. Anything else is really take away from? I don't know if you do. Kovacic and Isco basically funneled everything Real Madrid did. They had the most touches, and uh, interesting that we didn't really use Teo much in the left flank. Like, everything went through Carvajal. Like it was they would get it. And they would either get it forward to Benz to play a quick one-two, like in the middle, like right at the top of the box where we saw some nice t- chances being created. Or they would switch it out to the right flank where Carvajal was. And it was mostly Carvajal and not Lucas Vasquez, who actually at times dropped deep in behind Carvajal. So it was mostly Isco, Kovacic, and Carvajal who were, who were doing a lot of the offensive damage and kind of we were flowing through 
through them as our, our ma- main chance of offensive creation. Um, and it looked good. Like, yeah. you know, I was, I was pissed, Gabe, because for like the first time maybe ever, I completed the immediate reaction before the final whistle. Yeah, and I, was I saw that. That ruled. Super <laughs> excited. Super excited to hit publish before the final whistle. Because like, this is actually great because people can actually comment on it post-match like immediately before the game even finishes. And then as soon as I hit publish, Roland scored that goal in like the last touch of the game. I was, I, I was livid. I was so disappointed that the gods were against me in this in this moment. It was very funny, yeah. and it was funny because like the the, the title that popped up was uh, Malaga Zero Real Madrid Two. Yeah, and that you can't you can't go back and edit the the auto tweet that that shows that. Unfortunately, are you ready for yeah. questions? <clears throat> I am ready for questions. Let's take some. Let's right, let's do let's our do questions it. for this and the Bayern. I yeah, guess. Yeah, it'll be kind of jumbled in together. We'll we'll, we'll bounce back and forth. Mark Rady says, finally we saw the 4-2-3-1. How did you feel about it? I personally think Madrid looked toothless without Isco, who had another great game. Uh, good to see the youngsters getting minutes. You probably will be pleased to give some praise to Kovacic. Thanks again, guys. Not really much talking- to add here. but Yeah, not much to add. I assume he's talking about the, this match. So, um, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that, actually. It was cool. I, I'm not sure... Madrid was totally toothless. I think one of the cool things about the four-two-three-one formation with Benzema playing is that it's essentially a false nine formation. But the problem is that Madrid hasn't quite gotten the knack of playing with a false nine in that type of formation yet. So there were a lot of times where like there were either like too many people out wide or not in the center, and then many other times where there were just too many people in the center of the pitch together. Uh, and so what you have to be able to do is is be more coherent as a team and reading the space and, 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 you know, where, where the, the movements of the false nine, you know, let open up, you know, other areas of space for your wingers to cut in and receive these through passes. So, but yeah, I liked it actually. I thought it looked good and defensively solid despite the hilarious conceding in minute 90 to 30. Yeah. Um, question from Blake Brown. He says, Nice win with a beautiful Isco free kick. By the way, I'll just quickly add here. Blake didn't say this, but I thought it was really badass the fact that he scored and then apologized. And the way he scored it was really casual. Like it was just like he steps up to like take a free throw, scores it, apologizes, gets applauded. I thought that moment was very like badass of him. I thought yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's pretty. It dope. was a good moment. Yeah. He had a good moment there. Um, yeah. Blake says I don't have a ton of knowledge of the older history of the club mostly because I didn't have access to Real Madrid games. I'm just curious from a historical prospect. Um, has Real Madrid always been known for their offensive greatness? I know the 90s and 2000s have been filled with offensive greatness, but is that something we have always had? Have we ever had a really strong defensive team in terms of stats not allowing many goals? Oh, interesting. Um, I mm-hmm. thought. Well, as for always being... No, yes, the answer is Madrid has always been known for offense. That is... The the Stefano era, like that's why you go back into those games and you'll see Madrid winning by ten in the Champions League. Like it's there. There's a yes. There's a reason that people that have so much association with this club and this tradition, uh, and it's it's you know partially then, partially before then even. But it was just a lot about you know the fact that this team consistently put out sides that would score and entertain. Um, Kian, I can't think of like a time when Madrid specifically had. A very good statistically, a very good defense. 
Yeah. Um, I know there were years where the defense was trying to like sort of emphasized more, but even those years didn't. I don't remember the defense being great. Like I, I think the Capello year, oh six, oh seven. But even then, like the defense wasn't super good. Yeah, I think the way to answer this is almost like: is was Ramdra's defense ever good? And if so, compared to what? You know what I mean? Like it's like <laughs> yeah. because we know our our identity is almost to outscore the opponents, and we've had great defenders in the past, but nothing to like. If you look at the depth chart, and this is why the the Ramdra all time eleven, the all time squad, the podcast that Om and I did, which will always stay relevant, you should go listen to it on the history of the club, is that the depth chart offensively is ridiculous and it's a bit thinner defensively. But we've also had really great defenders. Like Santa Maria was the guy back in Di Stefano's era who will who won't get talked about much, but he was the guy. And then you have players like Piri who were versatile, kind of play could play across the back four, could also play as a defensive midfielder. Hierro Sanchez and then now you have Ooh. Ramos and uh and and Varan who will go down in the history books. Pepe was great, but I think it's always been about the attackers with the defenders really being the guys to kind of do patchwork and and try to save Real Madrid's asses who always played an offensive scheme. And if you go back in our history, even when we come first in La Liga, it's it's very rare that we have the best defense in the league. And that's okay because it's it's just a matter yeah. of winning, right? That's that's the main goal. Right. And and there's a reason that the Casillas rarely yeah. was in the running for the whatever the award was yeah. for um yeah. best goals to game ratio because Madrid tend to allow some goals. And I I will always respect Fabio Capello because he came in in 06 and and fix a lot of defensive issues that Real Madrid have ha- had yeah. had for like half a decade at that point. Yeah, and even then we didn't have the best defense in the league. The one anomaly, interestingly enough, is a season after under Bernd Schuster in oh seven oh eight. Oh eight. Yeah. We only conceded like twenty six goals or something, and that was yeah. the best defense in La Liga. Uh, but other than that, I think that was the year where we had like the Pepe, Cannavaro, Heinze, uh, and Ramos back four. I think. Yeah, that's yeah, the Schuster year. Yeah, solid. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's what it was, yeah. which is a incredibly d- and um, Marcelo occasionally on the left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, um, but yeah, even, that was an incredible solid back four. Yeah, even Mourinho 2012, which was one of our better counterattacking years, we still, you know, we Conceded. weren't one of the better defensive sides yeah. you know, even then. Uh, all right, next question. Next question is from Jeremiah Rogers. He says. Can you guys shed some light on the probable leg one formation on the 11 that Bayern Munich will use? I'm guessing Alaba, Hummels, Boateng, Kimmich in the back, Ribery, Rodriguez, Muller, Lewandowski, Robin, etc. Can you anticipate the formation and personnel they will likely employ? I'm not a Bayern journalist, but I think you know, maybe we should have someone like Phil Quinn or any of the other Bayern people on to talk about it. Um, I, th- I think John Dillon will join me next Sunday, possibly. Okay from Bavarian Football Works, but I will say that uh, I've done my homework on Bayern enough this season just because I, I, we kind of, just to know what's going on with them. And uh, some of the names that, you know, we're used to seeing from Bayern, I wouldn't say I've fallen out under Heinkiss, but, you know, he's kind of changed things a bit. Alaba is there and he's having a resurgent career under Heinkiss, but it's still not the same player, but he's there. And I think, Interestingly enough, is that Thiago 
Thiago is not a guaranteed starter. And even Robin, there's been times where he's not a guaranteed starter because he still he's not the same pacey player he was. I think I know it's crazy to think that the, either of those two might not start, but if we're being real, James has been probably their best offensive player along with Lewandowski. And anytime he plays, he's been incredible. And I think this whole Vidal injury, it has been massive too because he's such a key cog in what they do, both defensively yeah. and offensively as a box-to-box player. If he doesn't play, which we don't know because we don't know the extent of the injury yet because he still may play. If he doesn't, then we'll probably see a double pivot. Um and I'm guessing it'll be something like Javi Martinez and Thiago. Kind of. And then Muller, James, and Ribery or Robin, and then Lewandowski up top. I I have nothing to add to that. Okay. I would say that um there's been some discussion about whether Real Madrid included the non-compete clause in the Hamas contract. I don't know if you know the answer to that, but there's a question coming up about it too. Yeah. All right. So why don't we just answer that? Go to that question. Um, <clears throat> all right. So Ignacio Lobergat says it's kind of moot asking if there's an extra motivation in there for Hamas. How do you guys think Hamas will do when those games come up? Or will he even play? Is there a no-play clause in his contract like Llorente had with Alaves last season? Or is that only applicable to domestic leagues? So the answer to this is that UEFA has... It does not allow those those contracts for like on a, on a continental level in the Champions League or whatever. So James will play. And So yeah, it's standard yeah. practice for Madrid to include that clause. But if... if I mean, legally, if, if they prohibit it, it's prohibited and he's going to play. So yeah. that's exciting. Um, all right. I mean, next case will be I mean, like, crazy. No, that's, there's that is a question with an answer. There, there's a question we have answered it. Um, and yeah, he's going to be motivated to remind us why we liked him in the first place, which is a scary proposition. Yeah. Um, and I think Hankus would be out of his mind not to play a Real Madrid Loney who's in form against us because yeah. the stars align too greatly for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Um, Leon Stavronakis has a lineup question, which I know we, we're not a huge fan of, but he says, certainly a 4-4-2 has to be the o- the most likely formation against Bayern, given Zidane's recent preference for it. But I have a sneaky suspicion the 4-3-3 could be back for this tie. I have to say, I think it would be the right move. What are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts? No. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean no. No, 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 I know. it's not a bad question it's just that we get it all every time every time i think it's very possible i think that what he showed in his because of course the same structure we have a way leg first home leg second so he showed that he went into the uva leg with what he sees as his more kind of compact formation that is uh maybe more defensively sound which it was in that uva leg um and uh and i think he'll probably roll something like that out again um I, I I would expect something like that. The reason Leon we don't love taking this question is because it's like almost impossible to read what is in Zidane's head. And no matter how well you're connected to the club, uh, even if you're like in there every day, which no journalist really is, you still have no idea. It's impossible to predict. Like how many times have Marco gotten a predicted eleven wrong or whatever? And um, 
And even like against Juve, like who would have foreseen Zidane making those two subs at halftime? So it's so hard to predict what is in Zidane's head. I, I don't know if he'll go 4-3-3, 4-4-2, or whatever, or, or a diamond. It, it's just, it's hard to read. And I think maybe we'll know closer to the date, you know, hopefully there's going to be no injury suspensions. And, and but, you know, it's it's hard to say whether it'll be a 4-3-3 with Bale, or there will be Asensio, whether it be Lucas Vasquez, will, maybe we won't see Casemiro, who knows? It just, it's hard to tell. But I think it, what Zidane has to keep in mind for this game is that Bayern have so many attacking options. And what is the best way to minimize all of the, the damage that they might provide? Whether it's Vidal making a box-to-box run and joining the attack, who's gonna who's gonna track him? Uh, whether it's gonna be it's gonna be defending crosses and pieces, who's gonna be covering for Marcelo? Like all of those are legit questions and. And those are the kind of buzzy has to think about when he's choosing his lineup. Yeah. And I think that's a better way to look, just even think about this sort of generally. Um, uh, yeah. I don't have very much to add. <clears throat> the next patron question, I think is from a new patron. And unfortunately, welcome. Uh, yeah, definitely welcome. I'm so sorry because I'm definitely going to butcher the name, but I'm going to take a crack. Feel free to, to message me and, and keep, get me, get me the, Correct pronunciation. Rachapudo Meher Varun says, It's a pleasure to be part of this elite Real Madrid Club of Football freaks. <laughs> um, pleasure is all ours. Thank you for, yeah, for joining seriously. the army. Really, really means a lot to us that you're <laughs> a part of this. He says, I just want to know your views regarding my favorite and I believe genuine Madridista, genuine Madridista favorite, Karim Benzema as our number nine for more than nine seasons. Is he affected by his France football issues, which I see reflecting in his performances for the past nine months in particular? Ever since Big Benz came into Real Madrid, all this, all this time I had never witnessed, I have never missed the link up Big Benz, but this season his goal scoring is below par. Where do you see him next season? As far as I'm concerned, I want to see Benz to reti- retire here at the greatest football club of all time, and I wonder if it's realistically possible. Um, what is the main reason Zidane ignored Big Ben's in yesterday's big match? He's referring to Juve. And will this be in any way um, something that we'll see in the Clasico and the Champions League games? Yes, um, we may. Yeah, is the answer. I don't know. What's but I mean, happen. the thing is, there's that's the other thing that we didn't really talk about. But so. In the past few months, we've been surprised by one, Bale as not untouchable, two, Casemiro not untouchable, and Benzema not untouchable. And these are all big games that we're seeing this. So now yeah. this, the list of people we've kind of seen as like part of the Onsa de Gala has shrunk so much. It's basically shrunk now to Modric, Kroos, Marcelo, and Cristiano, and Ramos, and Varane, and Kaylor. So that, but it used to be also in that conversation, we also had Bale. Benzema and Casemiro. So this is also just part of the reason we just don't know. As to whether the France football stuff affects him, I think it'd be crazy to, to think it doesn't... It'd be naive of us to assume that it doesn't affect him on some level, whether it be on or off the pitch. Whether it it's would. affecting his performance, I don't know. It would. I, I mean, all of these people are affected by it, but... Yeah. I also think they're all 
mentally strong. They're all good, capable professionals. I would also I would add that Zidane is a very good mental coach, and I, I actually do think that despite all of the things that you just mentioned, the fact that we still have it, even with the incredibly moist, horny Spanish media, like just grasping at every straw, we haven't seen that many rumors about these players being upset or, or whatnot, simply because they're not that upset and they're not, they, they kind of bought into this team ethos that Zidane has created. And, you know, that's, that's, I think a very good thing. Cause I think under other coaches, I mean, we know it was true in Ancelotti, right. But under other coaches, uh, you know, these players would, you know, we, we would have rumors in the press every week about these players and about how they're upset and how about their, I mean, like, just remember, I mean, fucking Mourinho was the worst, but like this, this is actually, in my view, quite impressive that Zidane has managed to do this without having the, uh, uh, without having the <laughs> Spanish media just gobble up, uh, yeah. every possible story about X player leaving. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, we've reached the tail end of our questions. So do you want to do right. patron shoutouts or do you have anything else you want to, you want to leave us with or I, I do just really quickly. Um, unfortunately my, my computer, um, is busted. I'm recording this some through my iPad and which I've linked up somehow to my nice mic. So that's cool. And that means that I'll be able to do my, um, managing with your podcast in the interim because Keon has nicely agreed to edit. Uh, but if you're a fan of my other show, let's Stick football, we will be on short hiatus until I find a way to get a computer that has editing software. And if you want to help me with that, you can always become a patron of Managing Madrid. Yes. Um, because, you know, it, having a nice computer would be would make my job easier as a content creator for for you, for your for your, um, you know, all your Real Madrid needs. So I am um, you know, a little bit in desperate look, but uh, I. I uh, we'll we'll figure it out in the next few days, but until then, your um, Leipzig football is on hiatus. I mean, if we're being honest, now is also the the time to get in because in May we're we're bumping up to three dollars minimum. So if you're already in, your grandfathered in, and if you want to get in before May, it's still one dollar. But remember, three dollars starting in May. So May one, anyone May 1. who wants to get into the show has to kick us three bucks or more. Uh, I'll quickly plug that I was on the. EIF soccer podcast and uh, it stands for it it always bugged me because they stand for everything is football but then they put soccer at the end so their name is technically everything is football soccer which bugs (laughs) me but um, I was on their podcast it was released tonight it's on my Twitter I I retweeted it so if you want to go listen we we talked about more Bayern and Juve stuff Um, and then tomorrow morning, Sunday now, so Monday, we'll do a Churis Tacticas podcast with myself, David Garrido, and Diego. Hopefully throw some throw some shade at, at Diego for losing to Roma and whatnot. Um, and patron shoutouts. You're, so, you're going to have a totally regular, normal discussion yeah, about yeah. the <laughs> It'll be totally civilized, totally. Um, Shout-out to every single one of you amazing patrons who make this show possible. Shout-out to these specific patrons who pledge $10 or more who get a specific shout-out on the podcast. Nick DeStefani, Frederick Sundros, Leon Savernakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Anthony Vasquez, Yahya Ibrahim, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Hatiri, Ian Marley, Dan Berthy, Jahan Watson, Selvin Adolfo, Chamali Perez, Anas Alaz- Alazawi. That's a new one. 
Welcome, Anna. Yeah, all right. Um, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obey, Solomon Ortiz, Jeanette, Jeremiah Rogers, Rachapuri, Daniel Smith. Thank you so much, everybody. You guys are incredible. I really like this list is just getting longer in my, my heart. Like I can't explain the feeling. It's really means a lot. You are you all rule. And remember, May first, three dollars. Um, you get access to this all of our patron shows and our whole archive. Um, three dollars minimum. Five dollars get your question answered every week. That's pretty good deal in my opinion. You also um, get the follow back on Twitter. You get the follow back. So if you want it, we will do it. Um, just send us your Twitter handle. Um, if you've uh, uh, if you've donated three dollars or more already, um, we will follow you back from at Managing Madrid. Yeah. By the way, that's a, that's a thing we should remind people. If you're a three dollar patron and you don't have a follow back from us, it just means you have to message us your Twitter handle, and we'll. Yeah, it's we'll not do a big deal. It's easy yeah. enough. Yeah, we'll hit you up. All right. All right. All right. So um, we don't have a midweek game this week, Kian, but there will still be a midweek show. I yeah, imagine we'll, we'll do something. We'll do. A, let's do a patron mailbag. All right. Let's do that. Patron yeah. mailbag this week with me and Kian. Um, and yeah, so until then, there's a lot of other cool stuff coming out on Managing Madrid. Just follow the site, follow the show, and thank you all so much for your patronage. You all rule. Kian, we'll talk next or talk on Wednesday. Alamadi. Alamadi. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.